You could call this week's guest the it girl of Instagram strategy with a pop of yellow on the side. Yes, she's known as the yellow girl, as I found out on her about page. But I promise you, you will definitely have fun. You'll learn a ton and feel a lot happier once you have hung out on Natasha's Instagram. I feel very fortunate to have grabbed an hour of her time for this recording because after a massive 2020, she grew a heap in her brand and her business. And earlier this year, her lovely partner, Marlon, who I've been able to correspond with but to get this episode live joined the business if you have had this question on your mind should I do reels really not sure I'm not sure if they're me I'm not sure if they're my business this woman is the capital Q queen when it comes to reels Natasha Samuel is the host of the shine online podcast and an Instagram strategist that helps businesses shine online Through intensive strategy days, digital resources, and education, Natasha helps you build your brand on the gram with a video strategy that is fulfilling and fun, (laughs) love some alliteration, without the overwhelm. In this episode, we talk about how Natasha was able to turn a big obsession with Instagram strategy into a viable business. And as you'll find out, that happened around the time she left college. And I think she was even doing some strategy during college days. So she has grown super fast and very energetic. And it's really cool to hear that story. The other thing we dive into is how she's honed her teaching skills and has been able to make content that's really easy to digest, that really resonates with her audience of which I am one and I've learned a lot from her and the reason why I've learned a lot is that her content is really easy to implement she doesn't overwhelm you with lots of tips and tricks and things like that there's one or two things that you can implement yourself super easy and super fun The why and the magic of Instagram reels of course because this is one of her big strategy pieces and how you can grow your account organically, meaning no paid ads with great engagement. I know everyone out there is going to love that one. We're all interested in that when we are small businesses. Now, I know that even the most reluctant video friends out there in this audience are going to love this really fun episode because Natasha is very engaging. She's smart and her generosity shows that she really wants you to win. Okay, let's get into episode 78, 87 with Natasha Samuel. Welcome to the True To You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful and creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you truly love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this.
Welcome to the True to You podcast, Natasha. It's wonderful to be here with you today. I am so excited to be here and chat with you. Yay. Okay. Let's kick it off with a question that I'm very curious to know the answer to. And that is a little around your backstory because you mentioned digging around on your website and doing a bit of research into your story. You have a bit of an obsession with Instagram. I don't know if you always had that. I was reflecting last night thinking how I didn't grow up with social media. So I got onto Facebook at like 20, 29 or something, which seems so right. old <laughs> for, a, for a lot of people these days. So my obsessions really come a little bit, a little bit later, but Talk me through how you got so interested in more of the, I mean, obviously you had to enjoy being on the platform, but then you started to realize, hang on, there's actually a bit of strategy behind this, right? This is not just something that we can, um, yes, it's a social platform, but there's also so many other things that we can use this for, especially in a business perspective. So yeah, talk us through that journey of, of, realizing that and then turning this into a viable business and what did you offer in the beginning and and I know you've had some big growth moments in the last year so it's been very exciting to watch your journey as well so yeah kick it off uh, absolutely oh my gosh where do we start I feel like starting in childhood I always loved getting really creative and I loved writing stories that I would never finish and I remember going into high school I really wanted to play around with writing and so that's kind of when I joined the journalism classes and then I started writing for the newspaper and then became an editor and I really loved it I loved telling people stories. I loved connecting with people. Um, I loved writing and that continued on until I was in college. And so I was a journalism major. I was writing for a few online publications. And then I think my guidance counselor came in and they're like, yeah, journalism's kind of, kind of a dying field. So maybe you want to change your major. And I was like, okay, sure. And he's like, yeah, do PR public relations. And I was like, sure. Okay. Um, and so that's kind of what I studied in school, which led to, um, you know, obviously a lot of relationship management, but media content creation, social media played a huge role in how people represent and do their own PR essentially. Um, but then kind of outside of school, I was having a lot of, um, internships related to digital marketing. So, I remember my first internship was with a woman that had her own business. She worked remotely online. And that was like, so like magical to me. I'm like, is this even possible? Is this even a thing? And so, um, I really attribute even thinking of entrepreneurship to her because it really had never dawned on me. It doesn't surprise me now, but um, she always encouraged us. If you want to create your own dream and, and do your own thing, you absolutely can. And so um, I had a few other experiences and kind of as I was about to graduate college, I, you know, had a really great long-term internship that I thought was going to be a full-time job. And I was like managing eight clients and doing their email and social media and everything. And then the program just ended and I was like, oh, okay. So I'm going to just completely pivot and change. And I feel like I had that crisis, like every college student has where they're like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And all of a sudden I have to know. 
And so I kind of reflected back to that first mentor that I had. And I was like, I guess maybe I'll start doing social media for businesses. So I remember calling her up, telling her about this idea of this weird business named soul studio and doing social media for people. And she was like, go for it, go for it. I'll actually give you your first client. And then a month later, I built out my brand and my website and I was managing clients. And even just a few months after that, I started doing like social media management mainly. Um, but I got some clients from Upwork. That was where I got a lot of my first clients. And for people that are not familiar, Upwork's like the opposite of Fiverr. So instead of you finding people to do projects, you basically pitch yourself to be a part of projects. Um, and so at first I was honestly doing like everything. Like I think a lot of entrepreneurs do. And so eventually I kind of was like, I feel like I was kind of burnt out. I was overwhelmed. I was like, I feel like there has to be more or I kind of got to figure it out. I was overwhelmed with everything. And so I went from like digital marketing, which is super broad. And then I was like, I really love Instagram. Um, I think, you know, it was interesting that you mentioned like kind of what you grew up to and, and what you like adapt first is I think Instagram was what I was. I mean, of course, I think Facebook for a lot of people, but Instagram was just what I loved using for personal use. And it kind of like, I kind of grew up with with Instagram. And so I just loved how visual it was. I loved how there was video. I loved how there was like really like there was copy and there was just like incorporated everything that I think makes a really good story. And I think that's why it really attracted me and that it wasn't a specific um, age range or a specific type of person. I feel like everyone's on Instagram at the time. And I felt like every business would benefit so that's kind of how I niche down. And then I've just been kind of doing, you know, management done for you. And then I kind of moved into courses and then speaking and then strategy sessions. And it's kind of just evolved from there and really niche down to video since that's like 90% of Instagram now. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about my journey. And I mean, it's, it's been a long time coming, but I truly just do really like Instagram and, and think that it's just so much promise there. Yeah, I think what's great about that story as well, though, is that you were still able to pull from your journalism degree and that work you had done in college probably allowed you to see the platform completely different to someone that was thinking, well, I'm going to become an influencer and then I'm going to leverage my influencer status <laughs> to, right. to uh, grow other people's uh, followings and platforms. And so I, I guess what I'm saying is that you were able to see it from the, the other side of it in terms of uh, strategy and the technicalities of it and things like that, which is really awesome because I know for a lot of business owners, they probably look at it and they've used it personally for um personal reasons, sharing family, sharing their babies, their wedding, all of those sorts of yep. things. And then they get to business and they're like, hang on a second. How do I, I just know how to post a photo. <laughs> That's it. And now there's all of these other features. So I think it's really cool the way that you came at this. And I love that it was such a natural progression out of your, um, out of college and the business just, was a, a really good fit for you. Uh, a lot of the women I interview on this, they they come to small business often years after being in their career. So I think 
it's so ballsy that you just said, I'm going to, I'm going to have a go. And I bet you have learned so much and, um, you know, just such a, I think such a great time of your life. Any time of your life is a great time to start a business, but you know, when you don't have too much to, um, to worry about, you can experiment and have fun and not put too much pressure on yourself, hopefully. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I always like, I'm really grateful for how truly naive I was. I mean, I was still ha- getting financial support from college at that time. And I had no clue what it would look like to have an unstable salary and have to figure out benefits because I didn't even have benefits. And I mean, it was a lot, but I think it kind of has helped me think of everything truly as a lesson instead of being a failure or being really scary or having to be perfect. I kind of was like, let's just see how it goes. And I think I kind of still do that to an extent. (laughs) I think that's great. I think that's great. Keep that as long as you can, because that's that's an entrepreneurial spirit, isn't it? That yeah. that little bit of risk that you're willing to take and um, yeah, it's serving you well so far. So I wanted to dive into how you go about teaching strategy and it is a lot of your content is teaching based, which I think is incredible because that in itself is a skill set to be able to break down some of these complicated strategies or some of these tools that, like I said, might seem really daunting to a lot of people. What I've admired about watching you over the last year and (laughs) semi-stalking you um, and understanding how you go about doing all of these things is that you've got a real knack for teaching. Was teaching something that you've always been good at? Have you always Mm. found it easy to take complicated things and make them appear simple to people? Yeah, I think that's really interesting and probably a question I've never gotten. So I know as like a podcast host, you're like, oh yeah, awesome. I got a, I got a deep one. (laughs) Um, I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is like, I loved speech and debate in high school. Like, I feel like I would have done more debating if I would have stuck in it. So I almost think like, maybe I didn't love teaching, but I loved like convincing people that they should do this or that it's easier or that it's beneficial or that these are the steps they need to take. So I think that's kind of what I feel like maybe is something that I kind of already had under my sleeve, but I don't think I was, it was something I was naturally the best at. I don't think I was like the most petrified person that I think a lot of people probably can experience all the types of stage fright. Um, I remember in high school, they needed a sport reporter for like an education TV show. And so I did it for a year. And I will tell you, I was so horribly nervous. I couldn't speak on camera with any bit of a personality. Um, It was so hard to read the scripts and write the scripts. So I don't think it was something that was natural. I think it's something I truly have grown into. And 
I don't know if it's just been testing it out and, and figuring it out along the way, or if it's been learning from really great teachers and kind of putting bits and pieces together and figuring out what is, you know, helpful. I, f- I feel like the biggest thing I've learned is I always thought it had to be super advanced and super crazy, but it's almost like simplifying. I think that's almost like the hardest part about teaching is simplifying something to the point where someone can truly absorb it and not be overwhelmed with it or dismiss it. So yeah, really interesting question. Yeah. I, I think it comes with practice too, doesn't it? And I do uh, having so. empathy for your niche as well. You talked about being niche down into video. So the video tools that are available, available to us on Instagram Do you work with specific types of businesses as well, or is it wide ranging? Yeah, it's, it's really wide ranging. I've worked with product-based businesses, coaching businesses, businesses with big agency teams. It's been a big mix. And that's actually one of my favorite parts about being an entrepreneur. Um, there's definitely a few trends. Like I feel like I've dived a lot into the, um, the wellness niche, uh, definitely a lot of other strategists and coaches and, and things like that definitely gravitate towards me, but I like keeping it fresh because I think like, Oddly enough, there's actually a lot of similarities in how a product-based business would market versus a service-based business, which I feel like is a huge misconception is I always see the product-based business people on my Instagram and they're like, me showing up on video doesn't make sense. And I'm like, yes, it does. It still makes sense. It does. So I think I almost like kind of like breaking past that barrier with those types of business owners. Yeah, that's that's so interesting, isn't it? And when you say product-based businesses not wanting to be, you mean showing their face on video, showing the person behind the brand? Yeah, I find that product business owners, they really love to hide behind the perfectly curated product photos, which I love, you know, for certain things or behind a logo, which is fine for certain things. But I find that the brands that I buy from, and that's the thing is I consider myself to be the top notch ideal consumer. I've bought pride courses on Instagram. I've bought matcha on Instagram. I bought our furniture for our house on Instagram. Like I am literally everyone's target audience. And the brands that I love the most is that I can put a face to the founder or to the team or to the customers that look like me that use that product. So I do think that, um, it can just be so beneficial, even if used in, you know, a certain parts of the Instagram strategy. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I think you get to see the journey as well. Uh, I think that's really something that we underestimate is how far a brand has come and sometimes we want to show just the perfect curated shots of the products but not realize that that product to get where it is even just the process of making it and showing those sorts of things is really really cool and I think consumers are far more savvy because we do have these social media tools which means we can see a lot more of something and I can't remember how many uh views or times we need to see something it's up to something like 29 times or something and it was 12 only a couple of years ago or seven so in those 29 times there's so many opportunities isn't there to create different types of content and touch people in different ways yeah 
Yeah, I agree. And I was even just when you were talking about that, I was thinking of, I made my first TikTok purchase. So woohoo! and it was funny because it's like, it's this, it's this stone that you use on your face. It's called a gua sha. Yeah, gua sha, it's, yeah. Yeah. And it's used in Chinese medicine. And I've been seeing all these videos on my for you page. And I was like, this is really cool. I want to get one. And everyone was saying like, don't buy from Amazon. Don't buy from Amazon. Here's this really awesome small business. And so I started following them and it was just this sweet woman. I wish I remembered her name in the business, but, um, and they, and she was literally showing her family and how that was the Nate, you know, inspired the name and how, you know, how she uses it in her morning routine. And like, I was sold almost in, in you know, instantly because, yeah, I can go and get it on Amazon, but seeing someone use it and create it and tell their story behind it, it almost like it speeds up that decision-making process where it's like, people are like, I'd much rather do that than see this ad that feels so not even human and not personal at all. You know? Oh, you're totally speaking to me. We, I think we could go for hours on some of these aspects (laughs) of marketing. So it's really, really exciting me. I, one thing I love about you, Natasha, is that you seem to be so on the pulse with any new features. I, sometimes I think, does she have a line to Instagram that we don't know about? (laughs) Is she like one of their secret employees or something like that? But as, as soon as one of these new features or hidden ways of doing things that perhaps have sent us off the platform and then brought us back on captions or what have you, as I know, a new one that's coming through. And it's not yet really in Australia from what I can see. So we're all holding on for that moment. But um, yeah, talk to me about how you come across these. Is it just spending time on the app? Is it thinking there could be a quicker, better way we could make this look better. You know, how do you come across these things? I would really love to know like what, what your process is like in terms of discovering those things and uncovering better ways to do things with the platform. Absolutely. And I think I don't, one thing early on in my journey that I don't know why I became so obsessed with this, but I think it's done me really well of just being to be an expert at anything. Cause I wanted to become an expert at what I was. I wanted to get confidence in it. And I, I think I saw something that said, you know, you, to be an expert at anything, you have to be like truly obsessed with it. And so I really became obsessed with Instagram. And I knew that I had to be on the pulse of things and testing things and experimenting and, and understanding these new updates and being excited about them when I feel like 90% of people are like hating Instagram with a new, you know, not, maybe not story captions. People were pretty excited about that one for the most of them were like, Oh my gosh, another update, another thing I need to add. And I was like, I just need to get excited and fired up about it. And I also feel like, I think this is, I try and take this with a grain of salt, but I do think that there is a lot of power in being the first to put your stamp on something versus consuming and then putting your stamp on something. I think that's something that I kind of went gung ho with when reels happened is I was like, let me just do all the reels and be everyone's go-to reels gal. And it kind of got a little extreme that I was hosting a 30 day reels challenge. And then that kind of happened. But, um, I think I just, maybe that's how I got good at educating. Maybe that ties back to that question of how did I get good at educating? How do I have my pulse on things is I'm always reading about it. I'm always poking around on the app with 
balance and boundaries, of course. Um, but I have go-to resources. Like I think podcasts are really great. I love later's blog. Um, there's just so many great resources, but sometimes it's literally just, it pops up on my phone and then I'm like trying to figure out how to use it. (laughs) I think that's so, so good because it could be really daunting when these new things come out. And like you said, most people get annoyed or, um, I mean, especially when, when they were updating the privacy policies and things like that, it, it can almost put a sour taste in people's mouth around the platform. But there's also all of these other amazing things. And that's so, so much of the reason why we're glad you're in our life is because you do have that knack of being able to take something and make it really fun and, and teach it and teach it in multiple ways as well. You don't just go, cool. Okay. Reels, you know, we're going to learn how to do a reel today and you do it once and that's it. It's no, it's you, you bring your obsession to us. And I guess it comes back to that question of how many times does someone need to see something before they'll take action on it? And you realize, hey, someone's not going to pick up this tool instantly. They might need a little convincing and they might need to really understand how to do it. And I think Reels is something that, well, you've kind of become famous for Reels. Maybe accidentally, maybe intentionally (laughs) and your 30 day reels challenge. I mean, 30 days of reels. That is impressive. (laughs) It was intense. It was intense. Me and Brie, we like kind of lost our minds during that time, (laughs) but it was like this, it was a really, it was a big old experience experiment. You know, there were so many different types of business owners all over the world, all different types of industries. And we were just like, what better way to figure out how to use the app than doing it versus watching everyone else do it. So as crazy as it was, I'm really glad that we did it. It was really fun. Oh, and I think that was a massive turning point for you as well, wasn't it? And in elevating your, uh, elevating the awareness of who you by becoming positioning yourself as that expert as well like you said before and I think that's a really great takeaway for people to to hear is that you don't have to be an expert at 10 million things and be like this is one really simple thing that has probably probably I I don't know for sure did the did that time transform your business because it appeared, yeah. appeared like thing, things grew really quickly for you. And um, I'm not sure if that translated on the back end. I'm interested to know that actually. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that summer, my brand had really blown up and I was kind of seeing the growth from that gradually. And then I think the like reels, like made it explode even more. I think partially because reels, as we all know, you know, they get such great reach. They have this tendency to go viral and they're just the hardest part of Instagram right now. So I was posting five reels a week. And just during that challenge, I got 5,000 new followers, which Mm -hmm. was like insane. So I think it was like partially from growing reels, but partially because people were looking for experts that were talking about reels and teaching on reels and giving 
like an overabundance of resources on reels. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely did contribute. And I mean, since then I've had consistent, you know, the highest revenue months we've had in my business and really seen a lot of really great growth, which has been fantastic. So yeah, I think reels were definitely one of those turning points. And I, I remember that night when it launched, I was on my phone, figuring it out and making like three reels, like at like six o'clock at night. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Like, and I'm, I'm glad I played around with it and just gave it a go. And were you a TikTok user before? Get jumping yeah, on that. So I think that's why I went so reels gung ho because in like February or March, 2020, I, you know, like everyone, I saw TikTok really blowing up and I was really excited about it. I knew it in Instagram's tendencies. And I think this is also with the obsession with the over-researching, I knew Instagram's tendencies to copy other platforms. Mm-hmm. So I strictly got on TikTok as like research. Um, now I don't think I can classify my TikTok habits as research. But I truly just wanted to under because like if anyone's not on TikTok or maybe like very opposed to reels, I'm not, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Like TikTok videos are like this whole other culture and world. And I wanted like I, I was like convinced that Instagram would copy it, which it did. So it was almost like I was like, it was like I was this Olympian, like preparing for my my big race, like all year. And then like all of a sudden without any notice, then then it's here. So I was never like really creating a ton of re- like a ton of TikTok videos, but I was really just absorbing and understanding the short form video and how the text works and how voiceover works and how trends evolve and, and how small businesses were using it. So it was kind of just like me experimenting essentially. Mm. Now reels, we know they get really great reach and that's a a very enticing reason for people to use them. And (laughs) some people have seen growth in their following as well, which is, is really cool. It's a really great organic strategy. Why else? Why? What are the other reasons? Why should we be doing reels as small business owners more specifically? What, what in your opinion is, is the reason why this feature is actually really cool and not just a source of entertainment for us? Definitely. And I think you touched on like a good point is that there's like this common misconception that you have to dance, you have to point, you have to do the trends. And I will say I've done those. And I think it's totally fine. If that's your entryway into reels, do it. Like there's no shame there, but I also want people to understand that that doesn't feel good to their brand. That's actually almost better because I think it's actually an opportunity to stand out in reels and really carve your own way in your own trends. Cause that's essentially what Instagram wants. Instagram doesn't want reels to be this rip off version of TikTok. You know, people like they want it to have its own culture and its own trends and its own styles and things like that. So that's definitely something that people can kind of think of. It's like, it's definitely an opportunity because in a lot of ways it's still new. And I would argue a lot of Instagram users aren't utilized it. So that's kind of a really big pro to me is that yes, they can be entertaining, but they also can be super educational and they can tell a really great story. And there's a lot of other benefits there uh, as well. Um, I'd say they're super short, which is like, 
grow because they're easy to create on the creator end. You know, they're not very long once you nail what editing style really flows with you, but they're also very digestible. And we know that humans, but especially social media users, you know, our attention spans are decreasing. They're definitely not increasing. So I feel like it's a really great way to grab people's attention, give them a little bit of a taste of what you can offer in terms of your brand and they can just digest it and loop the video and rewatch it. And I think that's a really great benefit of reels. Um, and I, I think another thing logistically we have to think of is reels are on a lot of different parts of the platform. So kind of similar to like how stories has its own, you know, its own feed, which I think is why stories perform so well is there's a reels feed and then the reels are actually on your entire feed. And then it's on this little tab on your profile and then it's in your guides and then it's, you can share it to stories. So it's like one reel doesn't just go on the feed and that's it. It really lives in a lot of different parts of Instagram which is why I think it can nurture your internal community, but it also can have a lot of touch points with people outside of your community. Um, and I think just overall, like I always like to go with what Instagram's saying and Instagram is very obviously saying, we like you to use reels, more reels, more reels, please. And I think it's going to continue to add new updates. I think it's continue to be a big part of how Instagram operates. So why wait to be a part of that when you can just start experimenting and testing it now? So I feel like those are just like a few reasons why I do really like Reels. Yeah, I, I think that was really great that you broke it down like that and, and shared all of those benefits because often we can look at a new feature. I think I know I'm guilty of this and, and looking at it and going, I remember when story, actually, I remember when stories came out and I said to myself, I'm not going to get hooked on stories. I'm not even going, I tried to not even look at the stories for the first week that they appeared on, on the app. And then sure enough, (laughs) I mean, they're, the apps are set up in a certain way to, to entice you in, but yeah, then all of a sudden you're doing stories. So I think we can't we we can't deny that the apps are created in a way for us to get the most benefit from the features. And Definitely. one thing you're very passionate about and forms the bulk of your strategy for business owners is video content. And when you think about it, there's gosh, how many ways is there to do video? There's stories, lives, There's IGTV. Five. Yes, yeah. But okay. four main ones. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, there's a lot. <laughs> and, and so if we've got reels in there as video content, and, and I guess this is a reason why you're so passionate about video content is because actually, when you look at the majority of content, it's going to be probably video based is, would that yeah. be correct? Definitely. I mean, I think there's live video, long form video with IGTV. Then there's the story, which is like, you know, doesn't have as much longevity, but really bingeable behind the scenes. And then there's reels. And then I'd say feed videos are definitely an option, but probably not as hot now with all the other places you can put your videos. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think Instagram went, you know, earlier this year and they were like, we want you to be posting this outrageous amount. And they mainly focused all on video. So, I mean, it's kind of like staring us in the face, like choose one, please. <laughs> and so with that, I'm curious to know when you're helping people with strategy, do you encourage them to utilize every 
avenue for creating content, having a diverse strategy versus narrowing in on one or two things that they can do really well and then expanding the strategy? Or is it really relevant to the the brand or the person and the type of business that they have? What would you say on that? Because I know I, I just want to put a little caveat on here. I know a lot of business owners that I work with, Instagram strategy can be overwhelming. And that's yeah. why you're here yes, <laughs> to help us absolutely. not be so overwhelmed. So I think the sort of adding more and more and more into this strategy can be overwhelming, but I would love for you to break that down for us. Like what's, what's the way that you approach it? Definitely. And I will say, um, you know, when I do my intensives with my clients, every single client has a different video strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and partially it might be based on their preference. You know, maybe they're really good on video or maybe they're already creating long form video, or maybe they love dancing. So we're going to put them on reels. Like it might come down to preference, but more often than not, it comes down to capacity because I genuinely think if your video strategy or your content strategy in general, isn't sustainable. So you're going to do five reels in one week and then not post another week. Or if it's just not vibing with you, people can sense it. I think let's say you're doing weekly lives and you hate it. I mean, people aren't going to be like, wow, this is so fun. They, they can feel that energy too. So I always like to think of it as being sustainable, but also getting the most bang for your buck when it comes to your video content, because One thing that's important is I always say, you know, you want to have a story strategy and you want to have a feed strategy because you're kind of hitting on the main parts of Instagram, but on your feed, IGTV posts can be shared, which also can be lives. A live is now an IGTV replay. Reels can be shared to your feed. So it's almost shifting our thoughts. I think reels have kind of shifted what content can really look like because it's not like video feed stories. It's like actually your videos are a part of your feed. So it might just mean reducing or moving things around. So I hate to give a specific number or a posting frequency or a formula because I find that it really works different for everyone. Um, If all you can do is three reels a week and that is your capacity, that is amazing. If you're like, I don't really like, I don't really like reels, then maybe try lives or I do TV. I think all of them get like, well, I think there can be a lot of benefit to regular feed posts. I still do those occasionally, but I do think that they all hit more than one place. You know, when you're going live, it's that little live bubble that everyone sees when you have IGTV, you know, it can be shared to, to stories. It can be shared on the explore page. So I don't think there's a perfect formula, but I do think in an ideal world, which I always like to joke with my clients in an ideal world, if you had help with editing, if you had all the templates, if you had the capacity and the time to do so, yeah, ideally we'd love to touch on all the different types of videos. Some might be regularly, some might be when you're doing a launch or when you have a campaign or when you have a tutorial that may, works better on IDTV, you know, it kind of just depends. But I think that when we pigeonhole ourselves into thinking there's only one way to succeed on Instagram, I think that's kind of what takes the fun out of it, essentially. And and I actually really love that you mentioned stories earlier, how stories came out and everyone really hated it. And it's kind of funny because I see so much of reels in stories because everyone at first is like, what? Like they loved it or hated it. They were familiar with it because maybe people were using Snapchat or things like that. But 
I think there's actually a lot of similarities of like, it's very kind of unedited type of video content. Like you can add text and filter and film a video within the app for both of them. Some of them are very chatty and relaxed. Some of them are showing something, um, but there's like a variation in your slides and you're telling a story with them. So I think that overall, if like I could choose two, I think reels and stories because they almost like play off what I think are really working well with Instagram, which are those types of videos. Mm. So I've got a couple of questions on that. One would be if you are someone that creates other pieces of content outside the app, perhaps you have a blog or you have a podcast. And one thing that Gary V and for anyone that doesn't know who Gary V is, check him out on Instagram. He's probably yeah. the most prolific poster. And look, the guy has a team. I know all that, but he is super, super passionate and got some really great, great messages. But anyway, he was very much in the last few years into repurposing and distributing your content from say you create a podcast like we're doing now and then we bring that on to the other platforms as well so when you're doing strategy with people do you consider other places that they're showing up as well definitely and I think also like not enough people are internally repurposing on Instagram mm -hmm. like a really great point of this is let's say right now you're killing it with feed posts you're writing really great captions you're making great graphics why not take that and put it into a reel? It's going to feel and look so much different when it's in a video form versus the static graphic with copy form. So I think that internal repurposing is great. Um, and then I also think that outside platform repurposing is great. I always think the best way to start with video is outlining, whether it's stories, lives, reels, all of it. I think that it's really like one of the best ways to go about it is just outline. What is the main hook? What are the main points? And what is that ending? What is the wrap up? What is the conclusion, the call to action, whatever that is in a blog post, a podcast episode, any other type of video content can easily be turned into a different format. Um, and I love that you mentioned Gary Vee, cause I think he does it very well. And yes, he has a team, but there's two elements of why he does it really well. Um, first of all, he's consistent. Mm -hmm. So not only is he consistent with showing up, but he's consistent in creating, like if he didn't have, even if he did or didn't have a team, if he wasn't creating, we would and see content. You know, there's only so far in the archives he can go. Um, but I think one thing he does really well is he strategically repurposes for each platform, how he shows up on Instagram. I follow him on Instagram and on TikTok, and he shows up differently on both platforms, but with the same video footage or the same concept. So I think it's important to understand these platforms are a lot smarter than we give themselves credit for. So yeah, I don't think you can totally take a YouTube video and maybe not add something to it to put it into a reel or, or put it into an IGTV video. I think there does need to be intentional repurposing, but I think why reinvent the wheel when it comes to the ideas or the content we're creating when you can just give it new life by repurposing it? Mm, and that that pretty much answers the second question I had, which was what would be your time saving tips for small business owners who are dedicating a few hours to content per week? I think 
Natasha's given you some really great, great clues in there and in terms of what content to focus on and this idea of repurposing as well can be a really great time-saving way. And and also a way of repeating your messaging as well. I think that's one thing that people take for granted. Yes, people need to see something that you've got to sell or that you're offering a number of times, but we also need to know what the message is behind that. So finding all different ways to repeat the same message in your content is, is one way that you could save time too. Definitely. I completely agree with that. (laughs) So one thing I picked up is that you are very passionate about organic growth strategies. Is, is majority of your strategy organic for people? Do you work on paid ads at all or? All organic, never done ads. All organic. Okay. I love that. And I'm really interested to dive into this because I think it takes someone that really understands the platform like yourself to know how organic growth strategies work because not that it's as easy to create an ad and put money behind it as it used to be. Like I think that ad space has changed a lot as well from what I understand, but that is kind of a simple way. And we can put the content on autopilot and it will guarantee reach certain people and all of that, which is great. But the thing is, is that a lot of people that are using social media don't have those budgets of thousands of dollars. So organic growth strategies are really something that you need to get a handle on and something that you can use to your advantage. So firstly, talk to us about what, how would you define organic growth? Because that might be a term that that's new for some people listening. Um, They obviously paid ads is pretty pretty self-explanatory but what would you what how would you classify organic growth strategies yeah I I would simply classify it as you know basically growing on Instagram or any social platform without any paid advertising contributing or with Instagram I don't think this is as popular but it still happens um paying a bot or a service Mm. to grow your account for you which is a whole other spiel for another day but pretty much just doing it the long hallway um I think with any social platform it does take time um but that's kind of essentially how you do it is just using the platform um to essentially achieve that growth yes and so if we're thinking of of creating a strategy that is mostly based around organic growth. What are some of your favorite go-tos? I know you've spoken about reels um, because some things will be, I imagine like you've got engagement and then you've got reach and you've got likes and they're all very, very, there's so many different ways that people can interact and they're all quite different. And I find that, you'll have a lot of people see your content, but they they may not like it. So, you know, the reach might be there, but the engagement. And, And so what are we looking for in terms of growing our account? Because there's, there's a quality way to do it, isn't there as well? 
definitely. Yeah. I, I, I think I've talked about this a few times on Instagram where it's like reels views are, are really great, but if you're mm. not getting like quality comments and you're not getting people in your DMS asking to work with you, or you're not selling your product or you're not getting a new follower, that's actually someone that you want to be a part yes. of your community. Like I think those metrics are important, like you mentioned, but also they can be very unimportant when they don't lead to that bigger goal, that bigger why of why you're doing it. Um, I think one thing that people, and I'm just thinking of like this time last year, I had like 5,000 followers and I just hit 30,000 followers. Ooh. So I think you could say I've grown pretty fast, but before that it was very, very slow. Um, and I think one thing to contribute to that is like, I think virality can happen to anyone. I think it's quite random. Um, I don't think that's obviously what we're only relying on to grow organically, but I think that's kind of what happened in my case of just like a lot of situations that led to seeing a lot of eyeballs on my account. But I think what people don't think about enough is like their entire profile as a whole and how if people don't go to your Instagram page and they see your bio, they see your image, they see your name, they see your highlights, they see your grid preview, they see all your reels tabs and your IGTV tabs. If they go to that place and there isn't stuff for them to binge and consume and understand why they should stay they're literally going to leave. Like that's just as simple as it is. So I think it kind of starts first with like really optimizing your profile. Mm. And I kind of like to think of as making your profile like evergreen and giving a lot of touch points. Cause I think we've all like followed someone and you know, they're an expert at something, but when you go to look for an answer to one of your questions, you like literally can't find it. You're like, I know you posted about this. Why can't I find it? So that's why I think having your highlights being really strategic and built out are really important. Um, I think utilizing things like reels and IGTV. So you have those extra tabs. Um, I don't think your grid has to be picture perfect. Like it's had to be in the past, but I do think that it should be easy for people to find answers to their content. So maybe it means having titles in your content or that it should feel very branded. So when people see your content, they know automatically that it's your brand. Um, and then I think that, you know, having your hot, your stories full, I think stories are a non, like a non-negotiable for everyone. So like when people have their stories full, people can go in and automatically get to know you and, and kind of be a part of that conversation. So that's kind of like one thing I don't think people consider enough. Cause like you attract the people to you, but how do you keep them to stay and make sure they're the right people and really communicate your message and your brand. Um, I think alongside that is I just really go from like a service and content strategy first. Like instead of focusing on engaging and doing all these hacks and all those types of things, I really focus on like, how can I just create really great content consistently, consistently show up for my audience and consistently serve value because that is what's going to retain your followers. That's what's going to attract new followers. And we were talking about engagement saves and shares are really the metrics we want to be looking at because saves mm. is telling Instagram, this is great post, put it, push it out to more people and shares are quite literally getting in front of new eyeballs and new audiences. So I think just by utilizing saves and shares, which are really your internal community, 
you're essentially being able to reach so many more people. So that's kind of like my main strategy. You mentioned reels. I definitely agree with reels. I think using any type of video is really great. If I had to choose another one besides stories, it would be lives. Um, I think collaborative lives are not utilized enough because it is literally the perfect way to tap into another audience because Instagram right, quite literally gives, you know, notifies the, the, those people's audiences and their followers. I almost always find if I do a live with someone, I'll get a few hundred followers afterwards. And they're people that are really engaged. They get to know me. We get to have a conversation with someone that they already like. So it's a really like simple way to kind of introduce yourself. Um, and then I'd say the, the last one, which is probably like, doesn't seem like an organic growth strategy, but I think it, I think it applies is like, like getting social off of social media. Um, I think it's like networking and messaging, podcast interviews, speaking, and like really building your brand essentially. Um, or, you know, I think like platforms like TikTok and Clubhouse, for example, they're really known for being able to reach a lot of people pretty quickly. But I don't think those are the platforms that people are chilling on and commenting and messaging you. Like they're not very engaging and personable platforms. It's kind of where people consume and they might follow you, but that's it. So I think Clubhouse, TikTok, platforms like that, like how can we get people off of that platform and continue that conversation on Instagram or when they go to your amazing profile that we optimize, they're going to be like, wow, there's like an overabundance of content. So that's kind of what I've attributed to my growth and what I think can help so many people grow on Instagram as well. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So much. I almost couldn't speak. I was <laughs> so overwhelmed by how much value you gave in those few minutes there. So even if you listen to that one bit of this podcast, rewind, listen again, listen again, because there's so much that Natasha shared in that little, little bit there. So I want to finish up by talking about the next layer of content and that is gaining trust and building relationships through these platforms because it's one thing to get people to engage and and obviously if they're engaging that there's something they like about you it's a way of showing that they trust you because they're people people are a lot more I guess reserved I think these days compared to a few years ago where it was, um, it was, it was just so different. Anyway, what I would love to talk about finally is, is this idea of trust and audience, uh, trust with your audience, building relationships and making that part of your strategy, because I'm pretty sure it's one thing to create the content, but then to not show up for your people after they start engaging, <laughs> Is, right. is like this next layer of, of the puzzle that we need to, to master as well. So one thing that you also mentioned is, is big numbers and big accounts don't always equate to successful businesses or um, sales, all of that jazz. It can, it, it's very, very surprising how many people I meet right. that, even grew followings five or 10 years ago when it was very easy to get to that $20,000, $30,000 mark, but to then uh, have the trust of that audience is a completely different equation. So mm -hmm. talk to me about how you uh, bring that into your strategy and how you encourage your business owners to ensure that 
that they follow through with that stuff and and realize how much this platform is actually about building trust and about building relationships and how that even led to us being here today and doing this because I'm as soon as I started to consume your content I'm like this woman is the expert I need to talk to her (laughs) she is amazing and and here we are so Let's riff on that finally as our last question for today. Yeah, definitely. And I think that one thing that I've noticed with Reels and TikTok is that there's a lot of marketers coming forward with like these very rigid, you know, strategies on like, you have to engage this amount of time and you have to, you know, like all your comments before you post and you have to do all these strategies that just don't feel good for me. And I think for a lot of people in my community, because I think it like almost puts a number or a formula to human connection, which Mm. is essentially what we're doing on social media. And I think we kind of forget that because we think, okay, we're building our business, we're marketing, but any good, you know, if you think about like back in the days, like mom and pop shops that were trying to, you know, get business, it was quite literally just relationships and word of mouth and all those things. And I think we forget that those still work just in a different scale on social media. So I think it's really important to think about if you want to sell more, if you want to make more sales, it actually means serving your audience better, showing up for them consistently and figuring out what showing up authentically means to you. Because I think that that's definitely like a term that's thrown around. And I I think it's really important, but I think it has to be done intentionally and done well. Um, I think you mentioned, you know, a lot of people that were saw really great growth and build really big audiences a few years ago, they're probably seeing bare, like half the amount of engagement I see on a post or not seeing those results on the back end, like you mentioned. And it's because a lot of people are stuck in the, the thought process that you have to create this perfect Instagram presence for your brand. And I think there's a difference between showing up branded and professional and making it cohesive and not showing up messy, of course, but really dialing down to like community connection and interaction. Like I posted a very vulnerable post today. And I mean, I got like, I have like 200 comments. I still haven't been able to go through them and so many more DMS. And it's quite literally because it wasn't that I was sharing this amazing Instagram tip, which sometimes I get great engagement from that too, but I was quite literally just showing up as a human. And I think on Instagram in our businesses, there are other people doing what we want to do. There are other people selling what we want to do, but what's really going to set you apart is your brand and you and how you show up and be authentic and maybe be vulnerable and maybe be funny or maybe be quirky or maybe you're shy or like everyone thinks that it has to look a certain way, but it literally is you. That's what it looks like. So I think it's almost like breaking down what that means and like really simplifying it. But I I always kind of, it's a whole long story, but I don't even use hashtags anymore. And that's because um, there's a few reasons why, but I really rely on my internal communities engagement because we truly create a community. So I think like focusing on that first versus like, let me try and do all these things and just doing it consistently and just like really, you know, easing into that, I think is really where people will see the sales on the back end and, and see the results they want in their actual business. Mm, mm, so good. So good. And every human wants to be seen and heard, don't they? At a, at a basic mm-hmm. human level, if we 
if we put the technology aside and think about the person. And I think that's what's a, an interesting mindset shift for a lot of people, but something that you definitely got from the get-go is that generosity and giving value means that you really also see that person. It's not just about, oh, I put this out and then hopefully it'll be reciprocated. It's putting it out and genuinely engaging with the people and doing it from a really authentic, yes, I think heartfelt uh, place where people get that you're get your why and they they know you're doing it because you want to help them and they want to be you want them to be a better person or whatever it is and people will really really see that rather than someone that's just showing up to create content and to create value to get more followers or to get more you know really thinking about what's in it for the other person that's receiving this message and that is why your post today has gone crazy because even myself reading it I saw myself in a lot of what you said and I'm sure that's the ton of dms that you've got to go back yeah. to is thank you <laughs> yeah I think yeah. relatability is like essentially like a really I know I don't want to say it's like a content strategy or marketing hack but it, it really is is like quite literally making your brand relatable and that could mean very vulnerable moments but it could be saying I created this brand because I saw I didn't see people that made something like this that looked like me or I didn't see this product on the market or I didn't see this course taught this way I mean quite literally that relatable moments that we're talking about doesn't always have to be really pulling back the curtains and getting really deep it can quite literally being like I'm human I see you as a human I understand I see your struggle and like I'm here to help you mm, mm, so good I'm I'm so glad we ended on that note because I think that rounds out a conversation that has been so much about strategy and really bringing it home to the basics and and that is what I'm not sure about you but I think that is the part of it that that has you really enjoy being on the platform, right? Definitely. When, yeah. you, when you realize that there's, cause I think when you are like, oh my gosh, I did a post and I get 10 likes on it. When you really think like those are 10 humans, like mm. I'm like, there's 30,000 humans that follow me. Like that's a huge burden and responsibility and it's humbling and it's an honor and it's exciting. So like really putting human faces and names and souls to it it just like shifts how you see the platform. I think you don't see it so much. Like I want likes and saves and numbers. You're like really just connecting as humans. Yes. Yes. This has been such a good conversation. Like I said, right at the beginning, I think I could talk to you for days, Natasha. You're, you're such a genuine, smart woman who is really, really has such good intent with helping businesses grow. And uh, if you're passionate about the small business community like I am, then um, someone like Natasha is really going to, with all the value that she's given you today, can you even imagine what it's like to sit in a strategy session with her? I, I yeah, I, I know there's going to be a ton of people stalking you after this because <laughs> they just there's so much in this and thank you so much for giving all of that value as well and um 
and for doing what you do and showing up in the way that you show up because that is what I just really loved about you from day one and and you're real and you're not to use a pun but you are very real (laughs) and and you're fun and you can really see your personality come through and I'm sure not all of that has come really easily as well you know to show up constantly like that even when you have crappy days um is is not easy but but you're someone that really wants to see others shine. And uh, I really want to thank you for that and honor you for that work that you do. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation and I hope everyone listening just found it so super valuable. Yeah. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you.